2: Money, 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 money. Quickly to Wall. Wall yeah. measures. Beal gets open for three. Dagger! Yeah. Please, we don't what a
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce,
2: throw away at the horn. It's good! The it. it
3: fourth ball. Beal. Uh,
2: can't wow. find anybody
3: gives it to What really fits with the team and I think we have been trying for some years to figure it out I think we got this summer is with really the opportunity to try to make some more switches to make it a deeper team and a more stronger team because you kind of look at the OP go down. You just have Willie Kelly's one backup three. Then we're trying to play Thomas in a position where he's used to being a dynamic ball handler. So it's kind of tough with situations, things going like that when you deal with injuries. So You want to make sure you're prepared in those situations, those positions, that if something happens, you, you can hold it down. You brought up twice um, guys who
1: really want to be here. Was that mm-hmm. an issue? No,
3: i just thinking, I mean, you can kind of tell when guys, when things going well, everybody's happy, everybody want to be here. But when things get rough, that's when you really figure out who's your brother, who's really in the war with you, who's really in the fight with you. So um, I think anybody can see from the outside or the inside looking in who really wanted to be here. When things wasn't going great for us, but when it's all happy-go-jolly and we're winning, it's all fun games. But when you're not. You have to stick together because those are the only people you can call your brothers or your families in that locker room.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. You just heard from John Wall. You'll be hearing from him a lot throughout this podcast. You know, this is kind of like the the John Wall season recap type of deal that we've got going. I am, by the way, Noah Getzel, your host of the podcast, and we're going to be analyzing a few of Wall's different quotes So we'll be talking about the locker room drama that he references a couple of times and, you know, who is he talking about when he mentions guys not wanting to be there when things aren't going well for the Wizards. Um, We'll talk about John Wall's offseason wish list for management and he mentioned, he joked that, you know, he didn't go to college to manage budgets and make all the finances work, but obviously he wants athletic bigs and wing depth and guys who can make plays off the bench. And finally, we're going to talk about a lot of the critiques uh, about John Wall and whether it's justified, as he you know, demanding too much? Does he have to raise his own performance and learn how to play off the ball and, and be a, a better floor general without taking too many shots himself? So we'll talk about all of those different topics. Um, we are now going to welcome in our guest for the night who's been here a ton, Dan Meltzer. It's great to have you back. What's going on, dude? How's it going, man?
0: Uh you know, it's the Lonely Hearts Club out here. <laughs> you know, Bucks got eliminated in seven, Bucks are Wizards in six. You know, and that after each other so that wasn't great. But uh focus yeah. on the the offseason now.
1: Wizards know? have a lot to worry about with this you know, Bucks team on the rise, obviously. Uh the the Sixers have, you know, infinite potential and they just lost to a Celtics team that doesn't have they didn't have three of their best players. They're Probably probably their three best players, maybe Horford is a step above Jalen Brown, I don't know, but, you know, obviously the Wizards have a lot to deal with in the Eastern Conference and doesn't look like they're improving much. So one quick note before we jump into the indictment of John Wall, I mean, review of John Wall's off, uh, exit interview quotes. Uh, so Bradley Beal is going to be, a, he's going to have a little baby panda. Big panda is going to be a poppy he unveiled on Instagram just yesterday that he and his longtime girlfriend Camille Adams are um, you know they're they're pregnant together, Camilla is due. I don't know when she's due, but she's twenty five, Bill's twenty four. Props to Brad, right? Yeah, no. Uh, is it gonna change his start... play at all? Will he uh, I don't know. Markee mentioned that he became more of like a standstill shooter as he matured. I, I don't really I don't <laughs> yeah, know I don't what know fatherhood what does here. to you about fatherhood. Yeah.
0: if it's a boy so if the boy's great at basketball we can start scouting for uh you know whatever draft that'd be 2037 20, 2036
1: 20, yeah and we'll have john wall and a, a walker feeding him some assists mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> still on that massive contract so going back to this uh the quotes we heard from wall he basically said op went down we weren't prepared you know kelly Oubre started they didn't have essentially anyone playing backup small forward it was sadaransky trying to do some do some things there when that's not his natural position and then you know he said you can tell when things are going well everybody's happy good lucky everything's good but then you have you know drama unfolds uh you lose games you hit some hardships happens to every nba team and then he said it didn't seem like some people were as close and they weren't brothers and they seemed like they don't want to be here who do you think he's referring to there would it, would you say it's Jody Meeks, who asked to be traded, and uh, Martin Gortat, who said, hey, it would be nice to finish my career with the Orlando Magic. What do you kind of make of, of these comments, and is it a bit too adversary as the leader of the team to be saying, hey, I only want to play with guys who are my brothers, I guess? I don't, I don't know. Do you feel like he's pushing it, or is it respectful to say those things?
0: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost... It's not the not what you want to hear out of your leader at the end of the season. I mean, obviously disappointing getting hurt. This is a weird season from the start, especially with John Wall and all the comments. When they got off to the hot start without him, passing the ball, you know, leading the league in assists on field goals. But at the end of the year, it showed that they needed John Wall. You know, they tailed out at the end. This team will only go as far as we'll, Wall and Beal takes them as constructed now. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit later about what kind of pieces can they add around those two as stalwarts and especially john wall he's here to stay that contract is pretty massive and soon to be hard to move so i think you'd prefer to hear you know i got my teammates back when it really sounded like hey there's people here that don't belong here and we've got a lot of room
1: to improve yeah and another thing he mentioned which we'll get to in the next segment was kind of just you know the supporting pieces around him and i think one of the reporters asked like do you feel like the bench was was deeper this year did you add any pieces and it, it was pretty critical he's like you know tim fraser did what he could while he was here um jody meeks uh what you know he contributed what he was before he got into suspension and mike scott was the only quality guy off the bench it was was basically his i mean it makes sense he's super frustrated cuz his team just got eliminated from playoffs the day before he said all these things but at the same time uh uh, you wish to have a more inspirational leader who would, you know, maybe, like, empower your guys instead of trying to break them down. But as he always says, you know, we're all men. We can talk these things out. We should be brothers. You know, we're going to have our arguments by the end of the day. Uh, I don't know. I, it's <laughs> I don't know what it is at the end of the day. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. And it's like, where does the blame fall? I think a lot of men. Oh, man. It, all over the place. Like,
0: some of it has to fall on John
1: Wall's shoulders. Like, right. Both games five and six in the fourth quarter... Couple minutes left, like, it was a
2: one-possession game, and we didn't make plays, and the Raptors did. Well, it was DeLon Wright. Like, you
0: want to criticize the Wizards bench? Well, you were on the floor when DeLon Wright was changing the game for the yeah. Raptors, so that's on you. And I think then, some and of the blame players. is on those players. Like, Kelly Oubre didn't show up. Um, and then I think, for me, most of the blame falls on the person whose job it is to construct that roster and that Obviously. bench. And, and that's on Grunfeld. And then a lot of the cap situations were... And the problems we have that we're going to get into and improve the team is by giving people multi-year deals and way too much money than they ever deserve. Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason to add on these player options for the likes of Jody Meeks and Jason Smith. They should be lucky to have NBA contracts. And you you don't see top teams handing out player options. You see them signing. I like at Cleveland as an example, you know, or the Warriors. They didn't give Nick Young a player option or Jeff Green a player option to stay right. there. You know, if they wanted to, it's like you're here for one year. If you're good, we'll keep you. If not, we'll move on from you.
1: You mentioned you know, Scott Brooks is to blame. Situation. Yeah, you mentioned yep. that Scott and Brooks too. is definitely to, to blame, too, for running his stars into the ground. Uh, and and running that, zero creativity. I feel like he's just oh, like, here's yeah. the ball. Do what you're going to do. Like, Especially on like those game-changing plays at you know, last 10 seconds of the fourth quarter with game on the line. Yeah,
0: just ISO dribble, dribble. Like, you have to... Look, if Scott Brooks is going to tell them to run a play and they choose not to, that's a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. I just don't see like there's much of a coherent game plan at times, and that's on Scott Brooks, and he's making the rotations that go out there and put him in tough situations, like, John Wall is going to talk about, we need playmakers, we need this or that, we'll stagger him and Bradley Beal, because Bradley Beal's your second best playmaker with the ball in his hands.
1: Yeah. You know? Even though like, he... One of them has to be on the court all
0: the time for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of Beal playing point guard um, when Wall was down, and it didn't look too good, but you know, he did really improve in terms of his assist ratio, and his ability to, to score on dribble drives instead of catch-and-shoot situations. This is one quick hot take before we go to commercial and you know talk about the off-season additions and draft that you know we can get into. But do you think if Ernie Grunfeld keeps his job, does Scott Brooks definitely keep his job as well?
0: Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in D.C., not here in day-to-day. I haven't heard any rumblings in terms of just national media attention. I'm like, either of them getting fired. Um, at some point, you'll probably have to see a comment saying they're here. I think, you know, okay, so he just did that today with Sam Preston coming in and saying, like, Billy Donovan is here. So at some point, you'll see that, but I get the inkling that same old, same old in Washington. You know, right. Ruffell, like, if he's not getting fired for the million mistakes he's made before, why would it be any different this year? Um, and at the same time, he's probably going to keep Brooks and. At this point, I don't know what it would take to get any Cronfield fire. besides,
1: obviously, like, one of the worst teams in the league you would think would do it, but didn't before. All right, so we're going to take a quick break from Locked On Wizards now. When we come back, uh, we'll get into the juicy details of what exactly John Wall wants for the Wizards, like what pieces he wants them to add, um, and how the Wizards could even attempt to go about doing that. We'll talk about a couple of different crazy trade scenarios, and uh, at the end of the show, we'll also be talking about, you know, what roles are available for the Wizards and whether people have to stay in their role or whether the leader has to give people larger roles and take a step back at times, and that's John Wall. So a lot more on Wall coming right after the break. Stay tuned. Again, I'm Noah Getzel and we're here with Dan Meltzer, big Wizards fan, DC guy, works for the Bucks right now. That's why he's mentioning Milwaukee. So stay right here. We'll be right back.
2: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: It's a lot. to behind. I feel like it's a lot we can use, I think. I don't really have to say certain positions or certain things. I think just I've been people being around the team understand what we can use to help our team because it is not throwing shade to anybody on our team because everybody that's on the roster gave everything they have to make it work and fit with the team. But at the same time, sometimes when it's not working and it, you try you try and you try and it keeps failing over and over, you have to make certain adjustments and make certain changes. And at the end of the day, we don't make those decisions. It's upstairs does that part is us, as me and the other 14 guys on our team and the coaching staff. We prepare ourselves to play every game, listen to the game, play and coach give us and go out there and try to give 110% effort. But I think from those guys, they upstairs watching and seeing. They can understand what we can add and what we might need to make our team better to finally get over the second round or get through the first round like we did this year. John, do you think it's pretty obvious? What? What you guys need. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I don't don't think I have to point it out. I think the way the league is going, you need athletic, athletic bigs. You need scoring off the bench. You need all those type of things. I mean, I think we don't really have an athletic big. I mean, Jan's older, March is older. I mean those they're not athletic guys, but they do the little things that permit them for their game to help us as much as possible. Um, scoring off the bench, we had that in Jody at times, but he's a shooter. Really not putting the ball on the floor. I mean Thomas is a great point guard to sit everybody else. KO's him lockdown defender, knock down shots for us. Michael is basically our go to scorer things like that, but we need another somebody else that can create out the dribble. I think at times that's what hurt us, and we kind of got that when Todd came, but it was later in the season.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Wizards. You just heard from John Wall once again. Uh, this time he was talking about the obvious pieces that the Wizards need to add, which include athletic big man, because uh, Gortat is older, Mahimni's older. They're not quite able to chase any of those three-point shooters. Wizards also need wing depth and playmakers off the bench which he mentioned you know ty lawson provided a a bit of that um i have no idea if the wizards will try and bring him back uh wouldn't be my first choice if the wizards can you know make some other moves but in the playoffs he looked decent so all right dan dan meltzer is our guest tonight again i'm noah getzel uh dan's not on twitter but you can definitely check out locked on wizards at Lockdown Wizards, follow me, Noah underscore G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. And finally, a ton of these exit interview videos and videos throughout the season are posted on Wizards Extra, which is a blog that I'm the Wizards beat writer for. So, Dan, where can the Wizards find any flexibility to improve on the cheap end? Like, what, what can be done? What are the different options? I think they have, like, $5 million for a mid-level veteran exception. Other teams will have more money. Otherwise, the Wizards' only option is to hope they get a star in the draft, you know, find someone like Donovan Mitchell, who's a gem in the rough, or just try and blow things up a little bit, which would involve a trade to one of their max money guys. Yeah, so let's talk about where the Wizards stand going into the offseason.
0: A um, couple options out there that are almost guaranteed. that have got Mutes and. Jason Smith, each with player options. Again, thank you, IndyCar folks, for that. Those will be opted in most likely. Obviously, you'll get a couple uh, top holds for open roster spots in the 15th overall draft pick. But right away, the Wizards are pretty much right at the tax, if not over it. Um, finally, when that finalized comes in, projected around 123, 124, right where the Wizards are, with those 10 guys under contract and the you know, first pick and cap capital. So, like you said, they're going to have about a five change million dollar taxpayer exception off route not a whole lot of value there to be honest to get a difference maker so i think they have to look to the trade market first and foremost and like we'll talk about i think there's two clear paths they can take a short term or no more and maybe we punt the next year or two in terms of trying to compete and then turn that into
1: something hmm and you mentioned the guys who most likely, or almost definitely, won't be Wizards next year. We're talking Tim Frazier, who uh, made $2 million this season. Chris McCullough, who hasn't shown anything. I would guess that he's not getting another contract. And then Mike Scott, unfortunately, was too good to, to stay with the team, most likely, right?
0: Do you think Mike Scott takes, uh, what would be, about $5.2 million, the exception?
1: Yeah, I could see it. It depends how much he enjoyed playing in Washington. And from, yeah. you know, what I heard in his exit interviews is, you know, kind of the the smart thing to say from his part is, oh, I've got to let it all sink in. I don't really, you know, I enjoyed my time here. Thanks so much. He said thank you a lot, which kind of made it sound like he's on his way out the door. But, you know, someone he's asked, yeah, 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 someone like, asked, like, do you want to be a here. starter? Yeah. Are you okay with being a bench player? He's like, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. But I I could totally see him. At 29 years old, coming off perhaps his best season of his career, you know, super efficient. I, I don't think the Wizards can afford him, and maybe they could until the playoffs started. But then he, yeah. you know, he popped off. And um, again, we're talking about how to improve the team, like right. Yeah, Mike so you Scott can't keep the, the status quo, more or less improving it. So mm-hmm. let's start with
0: route one, um, which I think is one that might appease John Walmore more in the short term. That's trading the 15 pick to try to get a player who can help you. Right now, um, I think a couple ideas that I kicked around. I think with a little bigger athletic wing, you know, a 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, wing, you can switch threes and fours. That would be like a Damari Carroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, one trade, with, You know, he has one year left, a little bit more than what Gortat makes. You can see like the third, 15 pick and Gortat, or the 15 pick, keep Gortat and then trade like Jody Meeks and Jason Smith once they opt in. So, again, that's trading the 15 pick and a one-year young in
1: Damari Carroll. That's less attractive, most likely. For the Nets though, because you know, why would they want someone who who's got another? Oh, is it just one year for Carroll and or sorry, one yeah, year for me? Some... Oh, okay. After eighteen nineteen, so it would just be a way the Nets.
0: Keep in mind they don't have their pick this year. Well, remnants of that horrible trade <laughs> with the Celtics.
1: My God, um, that's still going on.
0: Jeez. Yeah, so they would they would love to pick up the fifteen pick again. How much does that help the Wizards? When we're talking about athletic big men to possibly trade for, I look at some buy low candidates. Uh, when I was kicking around the idea on Blake Colley-Stein at Sacramento. He's actually pretty good switching on defense. I like more of a red right runner alley He's got one year left, guaranteed,
2: like $4 million range. And then he becomes restricted. So he's in the same job as
0: Kelly, Ray. Um they have a bunch of people with player options expiring. So Shumpert, Kufis and uh, our good friend Garrett Temple. He, so he. maybe a trade would we'll look around. You know, Gortat and the 15 pick for one of those Expiring, let's say Temple or Costa Cufas, and what they call a What Those he? moves short-term might help, but long-term,
1: you know,
3: giving up that 15
1: pick might hurt. Yeah. What do you think the market is for Tomas Satoransky? He's coming off a year where he had scored, like, he didn't play all that much early in the year, but I think he ended up with about seven points a game, four assists, maybe, like, yeah. four rebounds. He shot 46 or 7% from three, so... You know, impressive showing for a bench guy. He didn't really get used in the playoffs, probably, I would guess, because of athleticism or inexperience. But do you think that he's a bit of a trading asset, or kind of, yeah, he'd I be mean, third down the list uh, when you talk 26,
0: about... 26, 27-year-old athletic guy who can guard one through twos, making a little over $3 million. That is definitely valuable. It's just, you know, it's more of a piece to fill in. I don't think you can trade Zanaranski and get a much better player, so I think no one needs your third or fourth guard on a team. You know, yeah. I would rather see the Wizards keep him, because he's a guaranteed cheap guy who we know he can play. So not the I think overall, he, he definitely proved more worth and I was a little bit disappointed. Um, overall, pretty much, King is like a very reliable bench player, but
1: nothing more. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, is there any... We'll definitely talk about this a lot more as, as we move on through the summer, but is there anyone... Burning player in that, you know, late lottery, early 20s type of section uh, of the draft. The Wizards going to have the 15th pick. Is there anyone who you think would fit in immensely, like amazingly well and probably be available then? For me, I don't know if this guy would still be there, but Miles Bridges from Michigan State, 6'7", yeah, uh, 230 power, small forward who is explosively athletic. You, you would think he'll probably be closer to, you know, 10th or somewhere in the top 10.
0: Yeah, no, everything say, I think at this point, the idea with the 15 pick is to get a guy who hopefully can contribute at least off the bench in year one, but the best value would be in a year or two, when they're still under control, at very cheap, you know, making a couple million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and you've got a starter at such a cheap rate, like that's how you build a champion team, so, I'm not entirely
1: so sure like a power forward. remaining
0: yet, yeah.
1: Or center, Someone yeah
0: someone in the 6'8 to 7 foot range who can switch and, like, there's good defensive players, so if they want to go like a Robert Williams for Texas A&M, I think it would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think, at some point, you just try to take the best player and worry about it later. In the, like, mid-lottery range at that point, you know, picks 11 through 20, they're all pretty much the same odds of turning into a really good player, so I always feel like you just go with the top of your board, less, you know, the Wizards need to get a you know, he might be passing up on
1: a much better player. Mm-hmm. In year three, what grade do you give Kelly Oubre in terms of, you know, where you think he stands and meeting his expectations? Was was that a, a, a steal at 15, or do you think Yeah, his, I mean, like at a 15, B? if you're
0: getting a guy who can come off the bench or start occasionally and provide value to your team, it's going to help.
1: Yeah, I think at early parts of this
0: year, we thought Oubre could turn into a potential starter.
1: Yeah, when like he was hitting those threes, piece. yeah.
0: And then he fizzled out, so like a a grade for the overall season, I'd probably say it's like a B-minus. Keep it in context, you know. He's a young year three player and it's pretty raw coming out of college. But then the issue becomes immediately, the, the Wizards have a ticking time bomb with him. So he's got one-year guarantee and then mm-hmm. restricted free agency. And they can offer him exceptions starting this summer.
1: Who has the money you for offer that? They offer him a solid deal that guarantees him, you know, ten and $12 million a year.
0: Where you might get him and it turns out good because he does become a starter. Or does he become another burden when he's just a, a bench player? making 10 plus million dollars a year I go look at a contract last year of a guy who's a little bit older coming out of college but like a Tony Snell the bucks give him 11 for 44 with a player option year four And then he doesn't perform yeah, the next year expensive. like that becomes a burden on your team whereas if Tony Snells a good starter paying 11 million dollars a year for a really good starter can 3 and D. that's
1: value I think uh, we we kind of covered the bases of you know how the wizards want to make make big moves this offseason but can't do it without breaking uh, up their core and you know everyone wants to get rid of Mahimni's contract and Gortat's contract but it's it's just very difficult to find a suitor who is willing to take on that bad contract for a year or two without the Wizards kind of selling their future so truly a difficult position Um, I'm sure John Wall doesn't care about that whatsoever as he mentioned that's that's not his job he wants to be part of the conversations. It's only time. gonna make
0: it more difficult down the line once an extension kicks in, so and it's not his job to care, like, like he said. Well who
1: would've you know. predicted he'd miss half the season, you know? I'm just saying like I guess he does drive $20 into... twenty million dollars
0: a year million. when he's making forty million dollars a year. Right. <laughs> if you want to talk about really strapping the team, so I think the Wizard's in a really difficult situation. Yeah, I mean Maybe not... discussion for another day is what if you do trade auto, deal, or wall? What you could get back for any of those. But we're talking about not having any real assets beyond Oubre in the 15 pick. Mm-hmm. Having a horrid contract that I don't even know how you would move beyond Mihimi. I mean, you'd have to attach. Let's put it this way the Lakers, to get rid of Mazgov, had to attach D'Angelo Russell, who was a two pick. You know, Oubre is not moving Mihimi for
1: an yeah. expiring contract. And this the is pick a. Might not. This is a trade that you didn't seem too high up on, and I'm sure a lot of Wizards fans won't really like this either, but I kind of like the idea of Bradley Beal and Kelly Oubre or a first-round pick for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think, you know, Leonard's length and defensive abilities would be a big step up from Beal, even though Beal is coming into his zone and a little bit younger. I just think, you know, the defensive... Monster that would become with, with Wall and Kawhi uh, would would be a nice pairing. Do you do you not really see any legs under that trade because other teams might be able to no, more to young get assets? For, I mean,
0: I think the Spurs would love to have Bradley Beal. My fear is Kawhi's on a one year expiring deal.
1: Oh, good point. I mean, if yeah, you lose Kawhi
0: after that, the Wizards might as well tank because yeah. Leonard, like Wall, and Otto Porter's not making the playoffs. Like I don't I don't see the logic in taking a risk on Kawhi. Here's the thing that Myers saying Kawhi is like he's gonna force his way, because the whole one year thing might scare teams off. You look at what happened with Paul George and O K C. Didn't make O. K. C better, and if he just leaves, they just trade Oladipo and Sabonis for one losing in the first round of the playoffs. Right. And they're in trouble. So
1: And they have Carmelo Anthony, which probably wouldn't have happened if they didn't have Paul George too, I would guess. Yeah,
0: like making he's gonna opt in and make like twenty six I think twenty seven million dollars next year. Like
1: Good luck to OKC. We've got one more topic to get to right after the break, which is, I guess, like a a real critical piece uh, in the Washington Post today from Thomas Boswell, Boswell kind of, you know, Wall aired his grievances and his issues with why the team couldn't perform, what the personnel issues were, and then Thomas Boswell, uh, you know, columnist for the Post, kind of returned the favor to Wall, saying that he is way too ball dominant and strangles the offense a little bit, and He's got to, you know, look inward and, and blame himself some too and look at what the Wizards did for 30-plus games uh, after his, his surgery at the end of January and, you know, how how the ball moves so much more fluidly. So stay tuned. We're going to have one more audio clip from the exit interview from John Wall, and we'll be right back. Again, I'm Noah Getzel, and we're here with Dan Meltzer.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Do
3: you think this team was on the same page this year? No, nope. I just tell you, I mean, some people don't understand their role. So if you don't understand your role and you think you deserve a bigger role, that's not about to happen. If you're not built for it, why would you want to be put in that situation? But a lot of people say they want that, that pressure or that situation, then they get put in and they, and they act totally different. So don't ask for something you can't handle. But at the same time, as if you have a team beating, and we're brothers, if you're a grown man like you're supposed to be, if I have a problem with somebody, I can confront you and talk to you without having to have a problem. You know what I mean, because you're supposed to talk to your brother, you're supposed to have arguments, you're going to have fights, you're going to do all that. But at times, if you can't talk to somebody because they always think it's negative or taking it the wrong way, then yeah, you're going to have issues and problems. A lot going on, and that's where inconsistency happens.
1: All right, you just heard from John Wall a third time. Welcome back to Locked on Wizards. Again, I'm Noah Getzel, and we are here with Dan Meltzer tonight. You should definitely subscribe to iTunes to check out the Locked on Wizards podcast all five days a week, every Monday through Friday. Um, We're going to be, as things uh, go into, you know, the Wizards aren't in the playoffs anymore, so we're going to be cutting down to three days a week, just temporarily, and then we'll probably boost back up around the draft and free agency type of time, so... Um, You know, definitely check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, um, all of those places. On Twitter, you can check all of the links to our podcasts as well. So, you just heard from Wall saying that, you know, a lot of people want the pressure or the situation of having an expanded role. And then they get there, and they're put in that situation, they act totally differently. And so, basically, Wall's message to his teammates, or potentially four more teammates is don't ask for something you can't handle. Uh, it's it's critical, but it's the truth, which is what Wall has always been. Um, and then, kind of throwing it back at him, there was an article today in the Washington Post which raised some valid points about John Wall, kind of, his, his role, he might be trying to do too much in his role, too. So he's telling other people, listen, you can't have the role you think you want, um, and... A lot of guys had better shooting numbers and scored more when wall was absent, which is obvious because he takes a lot of shots a game and scored about 20 points a game. But, you know, when you look at his turnovers, his stagnation off the ball, um, all of the forced layups and, and bad jumpers and just shooting maybe a little bit too much uh, as someone who's not traditionally a good shooter, um, do you feel like... John Wall is trying to do too much for the Wizards and potentially running the entire team into the ground uh, based on, you know, some of these critiques or, or what, like, of course, you know, a future John Wall when he's making 40 million a couple of years down the road is different from the situation we have from right now where he was electrifying in the playoffs, scoring 26 points, 12 assists, leading the playoffs, all everyone in the playoffs in steals. Kind of what, what, like... Are you whose side are you on with this, Dan? Do you think that yeah. players are taking? Do you think he's right that players have to respect their role and realize that John and Brad are the breadwinners who deserve to take all these shots? Or do you feel like the criticism and shots at at Waller are, are valid? That he kind of yeah. he doesn't move enough without the ball, and and he is you know he he puts a a dent in the offense even though he can contribute so much. I kind of see it as playing with LeBron to some degree because LeBron. Wants the ball in his hands at all times. And if he passes to you with two seconds left on the shot clock and, I don't know, like the first pass of the possession, like you're just expected to, you know, that's that's all you do. You catch it, you shoot, and if you don't make it, you're not doing your job.
0: Yeah. The difference is LeBron makes the right play. Like you, when he gets by, he's going to pass it to wide open three. That's how a lot of other people like Jarrett Smith and Clover make their money now. Biggest thing with Wall is he doesn't make the most efficient or right play. Um, so this is the playoffs this is one that just really annoyed me is how much he'd take like so the worst shot in the NBA is a long range too you know right. mid range jumpers um, just because you're giving up the value of a three pointer with a shot that's only slightly easier so this first percent, percentage of his shots by distance you want to see you know for a guy like John Wall you want to see like a third of his shots probably coming at the rim third of his shots you know, five to ten feet out, and then a third of his shots with majority coming from three point line, just because they're worth more points. Mm-hmm. We all know he struggled from the three point line. Now four of twenty one in the playoffs. You know, nineteen percent. Uh, but here, here's a quick breakdown. So for this year's playoffs, you got overall eighty four percent of his shots were two pointers. Um, not a big deal there. Right now thirty three percent within three feet, so at the rim. And this is where it gets troubling. Only 13% was from that 3 to 10 range. Hmm. And then 23%, the majority of his shots after the ones at the right you know, were the long 16 feet plus under a three-pointer. And then about 16% were three-pointers. That's tough. So 23% of his shots, in, almost a quarter of his shots, are coming from that no man's land. On those shots, you know, which is crazy, he shot 51%.
1: Yeah. So it's like. He's perfected that elbow jumper, you know, that Paul yeah. Pierce territory, but him and him and Beal are very different because Wall wants to get layups, whereas Beal is perfectly content with uh, those floaters, and he kind of makes a lot of those shots from the 3-10-foot to 10 foot range, and Beal has done a much better job of, once he makes a move to get by his defender, he's really perfected that step-back 3, and I don't foresee yeah. Wall ever being able to hit those at a high rate.
0: And those are the shots that are dying out of the NBA like, it's weird when someone's effective at those mm-hmm. um, small sample size. In the regular season,
2: he didn't shoot that well from those shots, and that's probably more indicative of his career. Um,
0: overall, those shots in the regular season, he shot twenty nine percent instead of fifty one, and still his breakdown, he still took twenty five percent of those shots. So that is just how long he is. Yeah, imagine like a a James Harden who just. When he drives to the lane, again, instead of games foul or taking a step back three or passing to an open man, he settles for that shot. So that's why I place the blame on John Walsh. He's not playing his players in the best position to succeed. He's taking inefficient shots, and he has to get those out like
1: out of his system. If John <laughs> played zero games this season, would the Wizards have missed the playoffs entirely?
0: So what was the record in 41 with versus 41 against, And I guess? It's an even split to at least figure out what they project as without him. I think they were, un- were they under five hundred in the 41 games without him?
1: I've got to double-check those numbers. I think they were just over. I know that the second half of the season, when uh, it wasn't Tim Frazier, but Sadoransky, they did yeah. have an over five hundred record. Um, I know they started like 10-3, and 5-0, 10-3, and, and, and then fizzled out. I can't remember exactly where they were, but okay. I think they won like, 55% of those games, something like that, before Wall yeah. returned?
0: Um, it depends what you're replacing John Wall with. Like, if you're latest, you know, for all my Avengers Infinity Wars people, uh, you know, if you're snapping your fingers like Thanos, John Wall's just gone tomorrow, like, we're in trouble. But if, like, you just put him with, like, a solid backup who can pick up, like, 15, 20 minutes and disperse it, like, yeah, they, they might make the boss. I, I don't want to go down that route, I don't think. John Wall's yeah. hurting the team. Um, interesting sad though, just like in the playoffs, you know, per 100 possessions, we were pretty much an even team. Um, a little shocking, but just going back and looking at it, but offensive rating 108, defense rating 109, like <laughs> per 100 possessions, game slightly outscored with John Wall on the court. So it, it is tough where it's just – I feel like his game could make others so much better. He's just taking too many inefficient
1: shots. So if if you were John Wall, what would you tweak about your game this summer? What do you think are are you know, obviously we, we know that he's one Becoming of the a better most, shooter.
0: I yeah. mean that's first and foremost, like taking more threes and making them would
1: help um develop that kind of like floater tier drop type game would probably be you know a good yeah, move as well. And
0: just it needs to be a like a systematic thing. The wizards are the best when he's driving and dishing it or getting in transition and dishing it like. Right. I almost rather see a John Wall who I average Instead of averaging, you know, twenty and twelve, we get it to sixteen and fourteen.
1: Yeah, that's what right? Thomas Boswell mentioned too. He said, you know, that's why guys like John Stockton and Steve Nasher and Jason Kidd were successful point guards because they, they weren't Pass-verse. caught up in this era of Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard and Steph Curry of guys who, you know, they they're the number one option scoring as yeah. well.
0: And I think in the playoffs the ball had to put that on because other guys weren't stepping up on I mean, it. Absolutely. Autoporter, when he played wasn't doing well, and there's no coincidence. Autoport out at lineup, we struggled. Kelly Bray obviously that like, we touched on,
1: wasn't. Marky Morris, okay, but not great. Like, I think we I need to take well, a step John back. John Wall
0: gets to the mind if he has to do it on himself, but
1: yeah, I think the we have killed the flow too. This podcast has definitely been a little bit too critical of John. So <laughs> maybe we should take <laughs> yeah, a minute on, on to, to idea, recognize. I just want to make it clear, like
0: the Wizards will only go as far as John Wall it takes them. Like. Unless the Wizards are ready to trade him or Beale, mm-hmm. then they've really hitched their wagon for the next three years to the idea of John Wall and Bradley Beal. As they, you know, go through their primes and enter their primes respectively, yeah. becoming at the top of their games. If neither one's at the top of their games, the Wizards team will not succeed.
1: Is it fair to say that the Wizards are OKC of the East?
0: Um, I see more Portland.
1: You see Portland. Um, I, see I feel like Portland. Portland's more consistent, and at least they had like a late yeah. season no
0: I, it's hard for me to, like, just whitewash the OKC past where, like, cool, I mean, they made a finals, they made a conference finals two years ago, like, they were, with Durant, way better than the Wizards have ever gone to. Portland's similar, Portland hasn't gotten to the Western Conference Finals, like, we haven't gotten to the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. I guess
1: I was just talking about, like, called. this year, or the past two uh, years, Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, this year... Since post-Durant, OKC, I, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's I mean, the most OKC, fair... I mean, OKC, number one disappointing team in the NBA, Wizards are up there, my Bucks are up there, um...
0: Portland, I don't know, it's tough to like say just like a week of basketball made what was a really fun season for them. Disappointing. I mean, that end of March run, they were thinking like, oh my God, maybe we can get past an injured Warriors team and make it to the Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put them in the disappointment category. They're in a similar, you, you go out there, they're in a very similar cap situation as us. Like all this money invested in Willard, McComb and Evan overpaying Shana, right? players who <laughs> do nothing. Yeah, Evan Turner, Mo Hart, Liz, Miles Laird, like, Uh, for a community like just overpaying these guys who don't add value um and what do they do because when you don't have either draft picks or young talent or cap space you're in a very tough position because you've maxed out you don't have the ability to sign players you don't have the ability to just add salary like you have to send out salary you want to give up a bad contract yes there's teams that have shown the last couple years who are tanking or rebuilding whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. who will take on bad contracts but you have to then give them an asset to do that. And if you give up that asset, it's almost like a zero-sum game. Like, yeah, we opened up, not paying this guy, but we also hurt our team. So,
1: But, you it, know, the tough. draft is and a craft
0: no the Draft. Yeah, no faith in Grunfeld to pull this off, by the way. So, right. Like, I feel like we're being let down an even worse pass. Like, you'll see some, you know, the return of Garrett Temple with a, an additional three years and $30 million at home.
1: Plenty more, you know... Burning of Grunfeld to come, uh, the fire Ernie tweet is alive and well, or the hashtag is alive and well on Twitter. Uh, I I think we'll we'll wrap up there. Dan, thanks so much for your analysis and all the financial breakdowns of not just the Wizards but some of their other rival teams. Uh, it's definitely you know I I, th- I find your trade propositions intriguing, and you're definitely right that you know you, if you want to get rid of a guy like Jan Mahimni or Martin Gortat. It'll, it'll take an investment on your end. You'll have to give up either one of your young budding stars, not stars, but, you know, one of your trading chips, or you'll have to kind of give up the draft pick and, and you know, bet on whoever you're, you're trading for being better than the future. So it's, yeah. it's not an easy situation. The Wizards, as you mentioned, even if they sign... Just based on their current contracts, what was it, like $129 million, like right at the luxury tax oh, yeah, essentially? Like 124. Okay. Yeah, I'll
0: say this, though, real quick. Like, to anyone who's listening to this, especially now that the season's over, like, you're probably well versed in the Wizards cap space, and you're pretty much nothing I'm saying here is revolutionary. Just pray to God that Ernie Grunfeld also knows this. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe, like, these moves aren't that difficult to figure out. You would think these things are pretty, like, standard for any big fan who understands the cap. I just hope, I'm not 100% sure that like this is obvious to the Wizards and the other thing I would say with the offseason is what other teams do dictate things that we can't foresee now, like you talked about the quiet liner trade, but that is so many domino effects so we've got a while to go to getting eliminated in the first round sucks because nothing really happens until the season ends, which is yeah. you know,
1: seven, eight weeks away still. Does it have to be a dramatic overhaul or can there be you know, a couple of small tweaks of adding a veteran, making a shrewd draft pick, and maybe trading away one of your bad contracts that can yeah, help I mean, others. mean that's kind of the route,
0: too, we talked about, where maybe they don't take that much of a step up. Next year, it might frustrate John Wall to see the team win, like, 44, 45 games again. Maybe they could get the second round in a matchups Then, hopefully, that first round in a year or two, and becomes someone right. that you can actually rely on
2: that cheap, right? Like,
0: it's almost like taking, I don't know, Wizards and John Wall might have two different expectations as well. Like, John Wall's always going to want to play a go and,
3: and Wizard management or
0: fans might realize, like, the Sixers coming and LeBron and other teams, like, next year will be our year
1: for a lot of reasons. So,
0: I might just play it a little
1: Man, it's, it's definitely frustrating to be a Wizards fan because they've traded away their future so many times. And with the goal of winning now, And that's where the quite happens. So, we'll see what happens, yeah. but. You know, catch definitely... 22, huh? huh?
0: It's a catch 22.
1: Yeah. Alright, thanks Dan, it's been a pleasure It was, you know, the, the wall Exit Interview Recap and we'll be doing a lot of other Players here on Locked On Wizards Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy Your evening, take
2: care my same dance. They call it Pocahontas Doing
3: that rain dance Talking dope, I got it, so make it Rain man Cause the flow retarded, sorta like that rain man the same man look at all these games damn when a nigga getting money and i am a change man you smell that hay set know my game plan trying to get it smacking i ain't with that game plan little mama work for every dollar she dropping low drop it low pop it slow pop it slow stop
2: and go hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music